0: Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly Gathering Room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Welcome, welcome to The Gathering Room and to our topic of the day, which is how to ask. Now, I had a friend once who was very new age and very psychic. I happen to believe, you know, she seemed to have a gift. And what she told me was this, people don't get what they want from life because they don't know how to ask. They don't know how to ask the force for whatever it is they want, they're asking, but they're not asking in a way that gets results. And she said, "Here's the thing: the universe is dying to give you stuff, but it can't give you stuff unless unless you ask. And once you can, once you ask with an open heart, no problem, you'll get what you want." And I said, "I do. I'm sorry. I don't believe this because I, sorry, I have been asking the force for things my whole life. This time I was uh, I was probably about 35." And I was like, it's not happening. And she said, well, tell me how you're, you've been asking. And I said, well, I asked like anybody asked like, help me. And she said, oh no, that won't work. She said, how, what happened when you were a kid and you asked people for something? And I was like, well, I remember in Sunday school, they would read us this Bible verse that said, if a man's child asks him for bread, will he give them a stone? And I remember thinking, well, yeah, and probably a swift kick to the head too. And I remember talking to my siblings about this, my seven siblings with a family that was not, did not have a whole lot of resources. So I think probably the deal was that when we needed something and asked for it, our parents maybe couldn't afford it or didn't have the energy for it. So what we got was pretty much uh, a very punitive no. And as a result, I grew up, asking for things in a way that got no results. Well, it got the result that I expected, which is a swift kick in the head. I think like trying to get a thesis advisor at Harvard, I just sort of wandered around. I was supposed to ask someone on the faculty to be a thesis advisor. And I just like asking someone for something was just completely beyond me. I couldn't even imagine doing that. So I was one of the few people in the history of my department who just, Wrote an honors thesis without it, without an advisor, and just handed it in to the department. So obviously, I was I was a very bad asker. And yet here my friend was saying, "Look, have you heard of the prayer of Jabeth? It's this guy. It's a it's a sort of fable from Judaic mysticism, where a guy goes up to heaven." And God shows him all the stuff that he was given during his life. And he's so moved. He's like, I can't believe the riches and splendors and blessings that were mine. And then they, and he wants to, they, they open a door to show him what he was given. And so he closes that door and he's like, I just, ah, that's so amazing. But what's behind that other door over there? And they say, oh, the angels say, you don't want to know. You do not want to know what's behind that door. He's like, no, I really do. I can handle it. They're like, no, you will regret this. He says, no, listen. I've handled so much in my life, just let me see it. I won't get PTSD, I promise you. So they open the door and behind the door is this incredible landscape filled with color and richness and life and love and joy. And he's looking at this and he's going, why did you not want me to see this? Like, why did you think this would upset me? And the the angels tell him, That's what you were supposed to get, but you never asked. So there's another little mystical lesson that says, there's something about asking that allows in the bounty of the universe. I was thinking about this because I'm reading two texts right now, one book and one more of a a text. The first one is a book called Matrix by um, Lauren Groff. I believe the author's name is G-R-O-F-F. And it's about Marie de France, this this famous nun who lived in like the 12th century. And she was the abbess of a monastery. And um, she was the bastard cousin of the queen of Eleanor, of Aquitaine in France. Okay, so the whole thing is about the jockeying and jimmying that went on in the royal families of the middle ages, where it was really a narcissistic system where the, Kings and Queens were on the top and the people who were below them, like someone who is part of the family, but illegitimate had to grovel. So it was a system of narcissism where there was groveling. You would grovel if you needed something, you would beg, or if you were powerful enough, you just pull a sword and t- you know you'd say, please give me that or I will kill you. And that is how you took. So that's a narcissistic system. A little bit later than that, there's the other text that I'm reading, which is called The Cloud of Unknowing, which was written about 1380, they think. And it was by a Christian Christian mystic who chose to remain anonymous. But he's writing very personally to like someone, it's, it's as if he's writing a letter directly to you. And this is a guy who did meditation and contemplation kind of the way the Asian masters did, <clears throat> where he was going into his own soul in solitude. And he was finding there, this incredible connection with love and joy. And so he writes this text to say to like a young scholar who's coming up or a young monk or nun, look here is how you interact with the divi- with the divine. And part of what he says is you don't understand stop with the stop with the hierarchical stuff. Stop with the Begging and pleading. That's not how you ask God for things. That's how you ask a bully for something. The way you have to ask God for things is in the full understanding that God is part of yourself and connected to yourself and has nothing but a desire to give to you. So here we have these two medieval Catholic accounts, basically. Um, And one of them was what I call the calculus of matter. And the other one is what I call the calculus of magic only that it's not magic, it's spirit. But the calculus of matter goes like this. There's only so much stuff. We don't have enough. There's not enough to go around. I am powerful, you are powerless, or I am powerless, you are powerful. Whoever is powerless has to grovel and beg and go into one of two ways of asking. And the first one is desperation, to ask out of desperation. Please, 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 I'm so desperate. I will die if you don't give me something. And the other person feels pressured by the sheer misery of the groveler to give something, and then feels very important for having given it. This is so dominant in our culture. There used to be a show, a radio show, called Queen for a Day, where people would actually write in stories of how miserable their female relatives were, like their mothers or their grandmothers. And whoever had the most miserable life, like I've got chilblains all over my body and nobody loves me. And whoever was the most miserable would be queen for a day and would get free prizes. That's giving from the place of desperation. And it leads to more desperation and a lot of resentment as it um, enhances the inequality between people. So if you're giving that way, you're gonna to start to resent. And if you're receiving that way, you're gonna start to resent because you're actually not unequal in importance. You're both equal in the calculus of magic, which I'll get to in a minute. In the calculus of matter, where everything's a zero sum game, and when I give something to you, I have to take away from myself or vice versa, there is one other way, and that is barter, to give out of barter or to ask out of barter. Okay, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. One of the things that has happened, will happen to you a lot, especially if people see you as having a lot to give, is that you'll get what I call gifts with tentacles. So out of the blue, someone will say like, mail you a package that says, I I have made you this life-size blown glass pheasant, which took a year to make, and I'm giving it to you out of nothing but the generosity of my heart. But as you take this gift that you didn't ask for, you can feel the tentacles on it that say, aha, we live in a world of barter. Now that I've given you something, here comes the ask. Boom, and there's always an ask. And then there's guilt if you don't say yes to the ask because somebody's already given you something. That's a transactional relationship. It's a barter relationship. And asking from that place leads to a lot of what feels like entrapment like you're forced to give and take. And that's our whole economic system. That's the whole, I'll go to my job and then I'm going to give you a piece of my life energy and then you're going to give me a chunk of money in return. And it leads to misery and it leads to a feeling of entrapment and and force. Okay, so those are in the, the um, calculus of matter. Now, if you go to the calculus of magic or the calculus of pure energy, It's very, very different. And this is where his spirit is. When I was reading or writing my last book and reading the Divine Comedy for part of my research, um, I read this, Dante had this very carefully spelled out. And it's what the author of The Cloud of Unknowing seems to have known that a lot of the other people in that time did not know in the way they visualized the divine and how the divine likes to be asked for things. So Dante's going into... Purgatory, where everybody's marching up a hill and they're, it's hard, but they know they're all going to go to paradise. So they're all really happy. And every time it's kind of like, every time an an angel gets his wings, you hear a bell ring. Every time a new soul reaches enlightenment or whatever, there's a kind of chord that sounds and everyone in purgatory rejoices. And they all say, ah, more for us. And Dante turns to his guide Virgil and says, wait a second. How can one person getting more of something mean there's more left over for everyone? I do not understand this. And so Virgil gives him a whole lecture on the difference between matter and energy and how in energy, um, like love, love is multiplicative. It doesn't take away from the other person when you give and take, when you give something, when you ask something, you're not asking someone to give you something you're asking for something that enriches everyone. So imagine two people and one of them is very attracted to the other. So let's say they forcibly perform sexual acts on the other person. And the other person is like, I did not enjoy that. That is, no, that has taken from me so much life force, so much joy is actually the most obscene thing that can happen because an act of love when it's forced upon you becomes an act of great, Obscenity. Take another couple, and this time they're both in love with each other. Now, as one receives the other's love, the one who is giving feels more love between the two of them and is able to receive more as well. And so, between them, the love multiplies and multiplies and multiplies, and they have the most exquisite experience possible for a human being, which is to ask for love that is freely given. And this is the energy of nature, you guys. Nature is actually inexhaustible. There's plenty on this earth for everyone. The way we ask and give is horrible and it screwed everything up. But if you've ever had a baby with your own body or you've been around when someone else did, you can see how nature immediately starts to create dairy products (laughs) for the baby from the mother's body. This is how nature works. And I can tell you from experience, that if the baby doesn't receive the milk, it hurts the mother. What the mother needs most is for the baby to get the nourishment from her body. And then the baby thrives and then the mother is relaxed and thrives. And like when the baby's eating, the hormones that give that milk to the baby, oxytocin. Someone was telling me yesterday that there's a kind of oxytocin you can spray into your nose and it makes you happy. Go for it. I haven't tried it. I don't know. But I do know that oxytocin, which is the hormone that we release when we lactate, when we cuddle, when we hold a baby, uh, we get bursts of it uh, with lovemaking. That's the time when men feel the most, get the most oxytocin. And it feels like pure generosity. That is how nature designed giving and taking to feel. That's how you get into the space. So here's how to do that if you need to ask for something. First, I remember it with the acronym GAG. So the first thing is instead of barter or neediness, you get into the spirit of generosity. And you do this by remembering a time when you loved giving someone something. So I can remember giving things. we, We have another baby in our house now. She's one. And one day I said to her, she loves music. And she was in her little bouncy chair and she heard her favorite song. And it was like the fifth time we'd played her favorite song. And she was like which meant play the song again. And I said, look, Lila, if you're going to play, the only way I'm going to play that song for you again is if you just fall off and say, again. And she thought for a second and then she said, again. And what could I do? I had to play the song. I mean, and she was so happy and she danced. Get to that in a minute. But the thing is, giving if you if you've ever given something to somebody who rejoiced in it and it didn't cost you anything and the love that was exchanged grew for both of you, get that feeling in your body. So then that's the first G. The second one is a, appreciate. So when I played that song for Lila, she rocked out. She does she does she has her own moves. She practices dancing every night in her crib, we can see her on the little nanny cam. And she breaks out all the moves when we play her favorite song. And then she dances and then she says, again, and then we all dance and we say again, it's a whole very sophisticated pastime that we have during COVID. We can pass the days away like that. But the fact that she loves it and that she is unabashed, there's no, oh, thank you, thank you. There's just like, I love this. That just makes the whole equation shift from the energy of matter to the energy of magic. And then the final G, so there's generosity, there's appreciation, and then there's gratitude, which is where you just, you sit back and you savor the joy of receiving. So the generosity, you get into the joy of giving. And most people, when they're asking, don't go there. I'm so poor, or what do I have that I can trade for what I want? That's just yucky. That's like a zero-sum game. It always means people get trapped. But when you're in the energy of generosity, you know that it's possible to for, for the giver to be expanded and, and elevated and so enriched by giving. Then when you appreciate, you feel how love makes everything get better. And then you look at things that you've been given in your life and you think, oh, oh. Can you believe that? I mean, like I look back and I say, my parents didn't have any money to give us stuff, but they gave me so much freedom, man. They just, nobody cared where I was. I was the seventh of eight kids. I was up in the trees. I was down in the mud. I had so much freedom and books. There were books everywhere. Like you get six other siblings and no TV. You get a lot of books in the house so I can just wallow in that gratitude for what was given to me. Now I'm in a position where if I want something there's something that I could, there's something called ask versus guess culture. When you're in the psychology of the material barter, give and take, misery queen for a day thing, you don't ask for things actually because you expect to get kicked in the head. So you you hint you say things like, oh, I, I have childrens everywhere and nothing to eat for pie. And then you wait and you hope that people give something back to you or you give them a, a blown glass pheasant you made yourself and you wait. You wait for the barter to come back to you, but you don't say anything. But if you're in the, the energy of, um, sorry, the calculus of energy, the calculus of magic, there's this joyful asking that is like, hey, I have an idea again. And I remember when someone came once that I there was a painting on the wall, and somebody came to my to stay with me at a time that was really, really, really difficult in her life. And she saw this painting which I had made on the wall. And in the morning she said, I love that painting on the wall. And there's no way I could like pay you what it's worth. So can I just have it? <laughs> and the thing was, this is a person who lives in such generosity and appreciation that the the calculus of energy was just in the air. And giving that to her meant that my joy was enhanced. And that's the way she lives her life. And that's the way As I've told you before, I knew someone who worked with Gandhi who said you would not believe how much money it took to keep Gandhi poor because he lived in in such energy of um, abundance, generosity, appreciation and gratitude that people wanted to give to him, even though he wasn't asking that cloth he wore was not a hint. He really did not want to find suit of clothes. He wanted the the damn cloth. (laughs) And that's all he wanted. So they had to divert the money. So if you move into that, what happened to me at some point between 35 and now is I began to experience the divine as the force that lives to feed me and is eased by my receiving. And as that shifted, I started just asking the universe for things like, Oh, that was good. How about again and even more? And I promise you, I will dance. And things started pouring in, things that I'd asked for a long time ago that I thought would never come to me and things that I'd never even imagined. It was like someone opened that second door to Jabeth and I was like, really, that's what I get? I thought I was asking before, but I was asking from the wrong energy, from the energy of matter when i got into the energy of god of the divine all giving and receiving enhances everyone's joy all the time hello the lovely peoples this is marty martha inviting you to a free masterclass that i have made called five paths to your purpose So Laura says, I'm going to go to some questions, but what about, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. Go ahead and ask. Here's the thing. I've asked for a lot of things that I thought I wanted. This is where we get to my breakdown of culture versus nature. In in the last book I wrote, The Way of Integrity, I said, the things you want, like the things based on advertising, you can ask and ask and ask, but you're gonna be asking out of the wrong energy. So if you want that brand new Maserati or whatever, and you lust for it and you long for it, um, you will. You can get it. I got a lot of the things that I asked for. I didn't get as much as I wanted, but I got some of it. I mean, that's how I've gotten so much more than most people and still I was like, Nye. But when it wasn't something that my soul delighted in, receiving it didn't feel very good. And that's why asking for it was hard and getting it was hard. So it taught me not to ask for things I don't really want. And then I sat down and I thought, be careful what I ask for. I mean, let me ask for my heart's delight, for my soul's delight. What do I really want? Do I want to go to like a big fancy party? No, actually I hate parties. Okay, what I really want is, for an animal to come by. And then an animal would come by. That's what I really want. So, and animals came by with bizarre frequencies. You know, this happens to me because it's what I really want. And the universe loves giving it to you. So it's harder to get things that aren't good for you. You can still get things if you ask the wrong way. You can extort things from people. You can be so miserable that people donate to you your whole life. It just doesn't feel very good. You get what you're asking for. And it's yucky because you're asking from a place that is depleted or calculating instead of a place that is joyful and and abundant. Donna says, Dr. Donna, how do you get to the gratitude of receiving if you feel unworthy of what you've received or that what you received was just luck? First of all, luck or not luck, that's just a story. So let's just, since we're going to pretend we know what's luck and what isn't, why don't we say it wasn't luck I got that because the universe wanted me to have that. Okay, cool. And if you don't think you're worthy of it, start small. Be super duper grateful for dental floss or clean freaking water. There's a great post that Glennon Doyle did years ago where people kept telling her she should get her kitchen renovated. And she went through her kitchen and she just said, this is a refrigerator. And it was kind of like, they were in like a New York apartment. It wasn't fancy or fine, the way she, I mean, she lives in a gorgeous Beverly Hills house now, but she's like, this is a refrigerator and I have not cleaned it up, but it keeps food fresh. And look, you guys, it's full of things to eat. Do you know how much time human beings have spent not having anything to eat? Now this over here, this is a sink and there were like dishes piled in it. And she was like, look at this. I turn a a tap and honest to God, sanitary water comes out of that tap into my cup. Holy smokes, in Africa, in major parts of Africa, most women spend most of their time carrying water and it's not even sterile water, it's not even clean. Oh my God. And then she'd go on to the next thing and the next thing in this little kitchen she had. And that's why I think Glenn Doyle is a massive bestseller who now lives in a gorgeous house um, in California, because the universe just keeps giving to people who are glorying in what they've already been given. And we've been given so much, you guys, we've been given so much. I mean, remember years ago, uh, Oprah went to South Africa and did. she did a giveaway for some orphans, AIDS orphans or something. And she got these backpacks and she put dolls and toys and books in them and made sure they were really good quality. And then, Um, they followed some of the kids. And one of the kids had no people, like all her people had died of AIDS. And she went back to this little tiny hut where she lived and she opened this backpack. And the joy on her face was just transcendent. And she kept saying, I am the luckiest girl in the world. I am the luckiest girl in the world. And in that moment, because she was in the calculus of magic of energy, she absolutely was. She was transported. And not because she was poor and not because she'd been given gifts in her poverty, simply because the appreciation of what she was given was exploding in her energy. And we can do that by focusing on anything that we've been given and it changes our whole lives. And we begin to ask because we know, as the cloud of unknowing says to his anonymous reader, you guys, this is a loving Loving force that aches to give to us, and once we understand that, it's like, could I please have that? You know, and it happens. Stephen Craig says, "How do we best use this to express romantic love to someone so that we don't come across as needy or self-defeated?" Basically, you do what my little, our little baby Lila does. You bounce up to them whenever, (laughs) whenever she comes into the room where I am. I can hear her coming down the hall. Somebody's carrying her, I had foot surgery. So I was confined to my bedroom for a long time this summer. And so I couldn't go pick her up. People had to bring her in and I could hear, and every time she'd come in, I would just say, oh, hi. And she would say, oh, hi. So now when someone, I can hear them coming down, can hear someone's footsteps and I can hear Lila going, oh, hi, hi, hi. And she comes and she sees me and just, hi, she doesn't need me. She's got plenty of caretaking. She's not exploiting anything. She doesn't feel, it was, I, I don't have to give anything back. There's no demand in it. There is pure expression of delight in my company. How could I not give back to that? So if you go up to somebody you love and you're like, oh, please love me, please. I'm so miserable. I need your love so much. It's like, they're going to go, oh, I feel so burdened. But if you just go up and go, hello, you are magnificent. And then just leave. (laughs) You'd be amazed how well that works. I've had people, I've seen that work uh, for people who were just slightly drunk. And it was, I'm not telling you to get drunk. I'm just saying that once the inhibitions come down, Love can sometimes express itself in the energy, the, the, why can I not get this phrase right? The calculus of magic instead of the calculus of matter. Jessica says, can you comment on patience and releasing the outcome once you can feel again? Um, immediately turn to the gag reflex. <laughs> Generosity, appreciation, and gratitude. Like go immediately to times that you've felt those things and build and build and build them. It just—it It's almost like lifting weights. If you sit there and reflect on times you felt generous, times you've appreciated things or seen other people appreciate them, and times you felt gratitude, if you can just build those, like focus all your attention on them, the asking changes and the asking becomes powerful. It gets traction from the powers that be. You may not be pursuing people around, but you'll be asking the universe for stuff and it will happen. Okay, Ellen says, I want my son with special needs to improve and be more independent. This would fill me with joy, but I'm not sure how to ask for this. And it feels a bit selfish because it would make my life easier. This reminds me of when my son, Adam, who has Down syndrome, was five. And I went to a conference, I was speaking to a bunch of people who had children with special needs. So I told them, you know, I gave my speech, I told stories about Adam, and I said, "Um, he's really high functioning. And Somebody asked, well, can he p- cook his own meals? And I was like, cook his own meals? He's five. And they're like, yeah. And you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Can he cook his own meals? And I was like, nobody asks a five-year-old to cook their own meals. But then I remember when I was little, I wanted to do things around the house. And in villages, before humans were modernized, little kids participated in things like that. So I said, okay. And I went and I taught him to do everything for a basic meal, except poor, milk from a gallon jug. And then I went back and I told some of my friends, I have I can do everything, he can do everything but the milk. And they were like, don't be an idiot. You're robbing him of a sense of self-efficacy. Put the milk in smaller containers so he can pour them himself. And I started asking him to help and his self-esteem began to skyrocket because I needed him and he was learning things that were good for him. And then at a certain point I said, would you like to learn to cook your own eggs? And he looked at me like I was crazy and said, I'm, I do not want to burn down the house. And I was like, fair point. So there were limits on it, but the joy that he gets from being genuinely needed in a way that's not cringy, blah, 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 but is here we have a family. And the more we work together to say cook a meal, the more joy there is in it for everyone. There's this participatory sharing. Like if everybody makes a certain dish and then everyone around the table eats each dish and says to the one who made it, that is so delicious. The one who made it feels elevated and the ones who are receiving it feels elevated. And the whole family is elevated because everyone was doing it together. And that ultimately, that's what the cloud of unknowing says. That's what Dante says. That's what my life has taught me. That's what my friend said way back when. If you ask from this place of generosity, appreciation, and gratitude, things start to be delivered. It gets easier and easier. And a kind of momentum builds up until there's a trust that, yeah, if you ask the universe for bread, it won't just give you something worse like a stone, but it will shower you with things you couldn't even imagine. They're so magnificent and so delightful. So thank you so, so much for being here. I love you guys. You give so much to me by coming here and you elevate me with your presence and with your comments and with your love. And I can feel it and I will feel you again on The Gathering Room next week. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.